It is so good to be here, Bishop. Thank you once again for, for having us home. And it's always good to come home. It is just always good to be back in this house. And uh, under the leadership that you have here, you are under, in the city of Manteca, you are under probably one of the most prominent voices in the nation of what God is doing. Do not, do not look for another house. Don't search for another house. Don't look for another father. You can't choose your daddy. Listen, if, if we could choose our daddies, there were times in my life I would have chosen another one. Sorry, Pop. But the way, the, the, the discipline that he gave to me growing up, the times that he, he got me back on track, the things that he did, I didn't want him as a father at times. But I need you to understand, he was the perfect father for where God wanted to take me in life. Don't you dare start looking for another house. Submit unto the father that you have right now because this daddy is going to get you to your destiny. Amen. I want you to stand with me. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Like I said, I want, I want to share with you a message and I, I, I promise I will not be long this morning. I'm going to move this message along. If you encourage me, I'll end fast. If you just sit there and stare at me, you're going to be here till four o'clock. So how many are going to get into the message this morning? Acts chapter two, verse 38. And we're going to kind of go from verse 38 all the way to 41, and it's, going to, it's there on the screens for you. It says this, Peter replied, repent, everyone say repent. repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive, someone say you will receive. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many know that the Holy Spirit's a gift? That just like you get a gift on your birthday, just like you get a gift from, from a family member, something unexpected, the Holy Spirit is a gift to you. It is literally one of the greatest gifts that you could receive. It goes on and says, with many other words, words he warned them and he pleaded with them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Come on, somebody. How many know that we live in a corrupt generation? How many know that we're going through some tough times in the, in the times that we live in right now? Notice this as we go on. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In the 60s, 50s and 60s, pretty much every family in America went to church. You, you were considered to be abnormal if your family didn't attend church in those early days. In fact, it was a time of Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver. It was a time where families were intact. How many remember Leave it to Beaver? You remember all those, all those shows? And, and so it, it was, it was that, that's the way it was. Everyone was in church. But then the 70s came around and all of a sudden you had in the 60s and 70s, we started having the, the hippie movement and the love movement and everything. And so a new, and I want you to understand that for every act of the, of the culture, God has another action that takes place. Not a reaction, but another action. And so when the, when the hippies came around, all of a sudden in the 70s, we saw the Jesus movement. 
The Jesus movement came around and they started ministering to the people that other individuals in the church didn't want. All those whacked out people on LSD and tripping and so forth, the Jimi Hendrix crowd and so forth, all them, they started reaching. In the 80s, the church took another turn and all of a sudden there was this rise of what was called the faith movement and the blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. And all of a sudden there just became this whole overwhelming thing of prosperity doctrine being preached and the people freaked out on it because now all of a sudden preachers were driving Mercedes. Uh, some of y'all got a problem with that right now, huh? You'd be better off if I came right rolling up in a, in a Yugo, huh? You'd be more happy for me if I was driving in a Yugo or I, my wife was pushing the car. You'd be even more happy, huh? But when all that took place and we had all the falls in the 80s and so forth, there was another rise of another church movement that came as a result of that. They said, we don't want what's going on here. So they swung the pendulum all the way to the other side and say, we are going to be a safe church. We're going to be a church that's not going to do that. We are going to be a seeker-sensitive church. A church that's going to be reaching to please people. And it's not that they didn't want to please God. They just didn't want to, to scare people. They didn't want to go over the edge. And so this birth of a safe church came about. And I need you to understand something. When that happened, a lot of churches exploded. They grew because people love to be in a place where they're comfortable. And so all of a sudden, these ministries begin to explode. And all of a sudden, people that were called to ministry said this. Oh, if we're going to start a church and we want to grow, this is the way we have to be. Nothing against them. I want you to know that this new millennium is going to bring another kind of movement. Say it again, pastor. This generation is going to breed another kind of movement. And I believe it's going to be, it's not going to come from the pulpit. It's going to come from within the seats of the congregation that we're going to see a new movement begin to be developed. What's that movement called? Excuse me. It's getting a little hot in here. So I'm going to take off my clothes. No, just, just kidding. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, Y'all know who Nelly is, huh? See, let, let me let me give you a little breakdown. What, what's a safe church? Uh, the, the guy, a guy from from back, back east by the name of Craig Rochelle, who has one of the largest growing congregations around, said this about a safe church. In fact, he preaches one message a year. We do visitor days and try to get people in. He does one message a year to get people out of his church. He preaches a message that says, some of you are not with the vision. Some of you are not going with the flow. Some of you not are, aren't in agreement with where this house is going. So listen, do me a favor. Go to another church. Go to another ministry so someone else can take your seat that's going to be in what God's called us to do to accomplish what God's called us to go. Now, now listen, Pat, Bishop's not preaching that. I'm just saying there's someone that does that. You know what? What's going to happen? Half of you are going to walk out of here. They told me to leave. They told they told me they didn't want me here. They told me if I didn't like it, I can leave. You know what? Grow up. Grow the freak up. Sorry, Bishop. A safe church has these three characteristics to it. 
Safe Church strives to keep members happy. The pastor isn't, isn't a leader. All he is, is, is the, he is the love boat activities coordinator. And all he does is make sure that he's the greeter at the door, that he's patting you on the back, that he's encouraging you, calling you up, that everything is great. That all he's there to do is to make sure that there is a smile on your face and that you are happy with whatever goes on here at CWC. Or they always avoid controversial issues. Never talk about homosexuality. Never deal with political issues. Never deal with with living together. Never deal with sin. We want a place that we can go and we will not be offended. Uh, this, uh, you know what, was this message for CWC this morning? Third thing they do is they remain cautious. They never take any risks. They never go beyond. They never do something that, that potentially could freak people out like Puppet Master. You went to church and you guys had demons on the platform? <laughs> we, have, we, have a, we have a campus in Milpitas. They gave us this building from, from uh, a group of elderly folk that could no longer support the ministry, and so they asked us to come in and help them. That was probably the worst decision they ever made. Because we came in, and our kids this, this past week decided, we're going to decorate for Puppet Master. And so they turned it, and it reminded me of your bishop, because they turned it into a haunted house. Your bishop did his first haunted house when he was the youth pastor in San Jose. There was no gospel message behind it. It was straight haunted house. (laughs) There was no, it wasn't a, you know, hey, see the the struggle with abortion or what drugs do to you. No, it was just trying to scare the hair, just trying to scare the the hell out of you. Can't even get it out. They were just trying to scare you. And so they, our kids did the same thing and they left it up for Sunday morning. And so on Sunday morning, you got the little old ladies walking through and there's cobwebs. There's a coffin in the middle of the, the, the air. The, one lady was walking, speaking in tongues, rebuking everything. <laughs> on Tuesday morning, she came up to me and started going off. This isn't of God. And she was wagging her finger at me and just going off and speaking in Spanish. I don't understand Spanish. So she could have been, she could have been encouraged me for all I know. But just by her body motions, I knew something was wrong. And one of the other elderly ladies came up and says, you leave him alone. You leave him alone because he's reaching our city. What he's doing is good. I've never seen one old lady rebuke another old lady. That was the coolest thing. They remain cautious. Now, let's get into this. I want you to understand something. We need to be A dangerous church. CWC must become a dangerous church. When I, when I joined this ministry, Bishop said this, when all this safe church started coming around, he says, I refuse to be a safe church. If we are going to be a church that God called us to be, Christian Worship Center will be a dangerous church. We will be a dangerous ministry. We will be a dangerous people. I want to know, are there any dangerous people in the house this morning? Now, you know what? So, some of you cholos that used to be you know, gang members, motorcycle, you're like, yeah, I'm dangerous. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of you people that just don't drive good, that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk dangerous, I'm talking dangerous to the status quo. I'm talking dangerous to religion. I'm talking dangerous to addiction. Danger to, 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 
to sickness. I'm talking dangerous right now to bondages. I'm talking dangerous to poverty. We need people that are dangerous to the way the way world the world has been going today. Any dangerous people in the house? What's CWC stand for? What, what, what are we all about? What's our mission? What's the mission here? In fact, to change the world one person at a time, one church at a time, one person at a time. Say that with me. To change the world one church at a time, one person at a time. What, what's our purpose? What's the purpose for being here? Show the next one. To know God and to make him known. Say that with me. To know God and to make him known. Why do you come every Sunday? I asked the ministers on Friday night, why are we here? I want to know now, why are you here? We're here for one purpose, to know God and to make him known. That's what we gather here for, to be a dangerous church. So what are the characteristics of a dangerous church this morning? Let's get right into this. I want to dive right into this this morning. Number one, what's a dangerous church all about? A dangerous church can be offensive. Someone say offensive. Now, I don't mean that you walk away because pastor didn't shake your hand and you're offended that you didn't get greeted this morning. You know, it blows me away. These individuals that used to get drunk on the weekends, get all high, party all weekend from the time they got off work on Friday evening and then party all the way until early on Monday morning, go to work and talk about, man, I partied all week and I didn't sleep. I got up. I went to work. I took care of this. This dude got this fool got on my face and I knocked him out and I did this and that. Now you get saved. You come to church and all of a sudden pastor didn't shake your hand. I'm not going back to that. At church no more. There's a word in Samoan. We got a bunch of Samoan kids living with us. And there, there's a word in Samoan that they call fafa. Uh, they, they know what's up over there. And when they start, when, when they start acting foolish or acting what they, they can't do, and it's, uh, you know what, stop acting like a fof. Stop being a fof. Stop acting that way. It just means, it just means gay. Just stop acting, stop acting all femme. You know what? Grow some. You know, church, listen to me. Listen. No, listen to me. You are bad. You are, you're, you're the man. You're this and that. But you come to church and all of a sudden someone doesn't look at you right. Someone parks in your parking place. Someone sits in your seat and you're ready to leave God because someone offended you. Can we grow up? Well, see, listen, when I talk about offense, that's not even where I was going. Let me pull back for a second. The offense I'm talking about is that, notice this, I want you to take a look at Matthew 21, verse 12. It says this, Jesus entered the temple area, drove out all who were buying and selling, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and said to them, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and you have turned it into a den of robbers. Check this out. The offense I'm talking about today is having such an offensive love that we offend the religious. A dangerous church has such an offensive love, it, it, it totally offends the religious sect. It totally offends the religious church. It gets them, they look at that and think, how come those people are at your church? What are those, what are those motorcycle riders doing at your church? 
Hey, what are all those gang members doing at your church? You know what? You walk into my church, sometimes you think that you would find America's most wanted at our church. We, we took the DNA from this man and we started reaching the very people no one else wanted. Listen to me. Every Friday night, we have a group of people that go out to the streets of San Jose looking for prostitutes. Not to get busy. But to let them know how much God loves them and cares about them and to show an offensive love to them. My friend, I need you to understand something this this morning. I need you to grab this. The gospel message is an offensive one. The cross was an offensive object. But I need you to understand... This message of the gospel must be an offensive one. We got to start living with an offensive love. The, the, the love that Jesus showed did this. They bring a woman caught in adultery. And he loves her. A man that's not supposed to be touched because of his leprous condition. He touches him. A man with a withered hand who can't move it on the Sabbath day. Not allowed to be touched. Jesus touches him and heals him. Listen, I want to know when our church gets to the point where we are accepted by the religious community, we no longer are living with an offensive love. Are you hearing me? Do you know what? If they can't find love at the church, where are they going to find it? For a moment, would you think where you came from? Would you think about if no one had loved you? For a moment, would you stop judging and this political battle that we're fighting? Listen, I may not agree with the gays, but I do understand this. They need the love of God more than anyone else. Listen, what your divorce, I don't care if you're divorced. God still loves you. It doesn't matter what addiction you're fighting. God still seeks you out. Whatever you've gone through, it's not you. You are not what you've done. We need to start living with an offensive love. We need a love that gets the other churches in the area thinking, what are they doing over there? No, you know what? And they have to start attacking what we're doing because they don't agree with the love that we're showing. You imagine if the church actually became known for the thing Jesus said we'd be known for? He never said, you'll know that they're my children based on the buildings that they have. You'll know they're my children based on the music that they have. You'll know that they're my children based on the car, kind of car that they drive. He says, you'll know that they're my children by love. Do you understand that Jesus offended the Pharisees? He never offended the world. It was the religious people that were offended by Christ. The sinners embraced him. It was the church that got rid of him. Listen, I'm working on a ministry to get rejected by all other churches. That's what I want. I don't want to be accepted by them because as soon as I'm accepted, my love isn't offensive enough. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to know, are you a dangerous church? Secondly, I want you to understand that a dangerous church takes, turns complaints into ministry. Bishop, do you have complainers here?
A dangerous church takes complaints and turns it into ministry. Look with me in, in the book of Acts here, chapter 6. It says, now in those days when the number of disciples were multiplying. Listen, when you have growth, you're going to have problems. If you're not growing, you're not going to have any problems because you know all the same people. There's no issues. There's no new issues coming in. But when you're growing, you're going to have issues. Notice what happens. And when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews and Hellenistics because their widows were being neg neglected in the daily distribution. What was happening, the early church, how many of you have ever heard them say, I wish we were like the New Testament church? I want to be a New Testament church. I want to be a New Testament believer. I want to, listen, the New Testament church was bigotry. There was jealousy. There was backbiting. There, there was all these dissensions that were going on. Arguments. Listen, New Testament church had all kinds of problems. They were all jacked up. Just like you. Isn't that great? They... You read the word. I mean, Peter, that boy couldn't keep. The only time he took out his foot out of his mouth was to put the other one in. Hey, you and I got hope. If God could use those suckers, what do you think he could do with us? Come on, somebody. Listen to me. What ends up happening? Complaints are part of human nature. The early church was not perfect. But they were dangerous. I need you to understand right now. The early church was able to turn complaint into ministry. What's up, babe? How you doing, bro? I like the bald look, bro. I want you to notice something. The Hellenistic Jews were being neglected. And so they be, this big old complaint started up. There could have been a division in the church. The church could have split right there. But true leadership and true people of God, when complaints come up, they don't leave. They work it out. Listen, your complaint is your ministry. What are you complaining? Man, the parking lot's chaos all the time. You're called to be the parking lot attendant. Man, these kids are running everywhere. Why doesn't someone take... Your, your ministry is children's ministry. Man, that choir is off key. Why? What's wrong? The music's too loud. I want... You know, how, how come they can't get back? Your, your ministry is music. You know what? They have the music too loud here. Your ministry's a soundboard. They're like, send someone, please. You see, what it, the devil hates dangerous churches because dangerous churches take complaints and turn them into ministry. And what the devil ends up doing, man, every time they complain, another ministry gets started. I'm going to stop the complaints at that church. I'm not sending any more complainers over there because when they get there, they become ministers. Every person chosen... To fill the need of a deacon had Greek names because it was a Greek problem. The people that see the need are responsible for fixing the need. Your problem is your promotion. Your complaint is your ministry.
Number three. I only got four, so we're, we're halfway there, okay? Actually, even farther than halfway. You're going to like this one. Dangerous church has divine boldness. Everyone say boldness. I want you to take a look at the scripture in Acts chapter 4. It says, after they prayed. How many of you know things happen when you pray? The Bible says, the affected fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth what? Much. So that tells me, what, Pastor, I'm praying, nothing's happening. I'm praying, nothing's happening. I'm praying, nothing's happening. That means one or two things. Either you're not praying fervently enough or you're not righteous. Because the word says that the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth what? Much. So God said it. That means it's true. So if you're praying and nothing's happening, then you got to check. Am I righteous? Well, I'm right with God. Then you're, you've got to start praying harder then. Because God promises it will be met. Now, uh, let's go on. Uh, that's actually not what I wanted, wanted to talk about. After they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Everyone say boldly. See, I want you to understand the whole purpose of the upper room when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not to create denominations. It was to create witnesses. The whole purpose of the upper room was to create witnesses so that they could be bold and preach the word of God with boldness. The problem is this, is that we've lost that boldness. We've lost that that passion for God. And I remember Pastor Gary preaching a message years ago here. And I've been trying to get a copy of the message. I couldn't get it. I couldn't find it. But I need you to understand. Have you ever seen someone inebriated? Come on, hang with me. Have you ever seen anyone drunk? (laughs) Brother back there saying, that's me, Pastor. Every... (laughs) I got a guy that comes to church. He's the very first one every Sunday at Overfelt High School. And that boy is plastered every time he comes. And we, we just, we try to, I finally told him, you can't come to church anymore if you're going to be drunk. You can't come. If you're, if you're sober, you can come. And so he drinks like crazy. And at midnight, he stops. And he shows up to church smelling like alcohol. You light a match around that brother, he's going up in flames. <laughs> but if you've ever seen anyone inebriated, you ever seen anyone drunk, did they... First see them, they might be a little calm kind of an individual and they take, sit there and they take a couple shots. Now all of a sudden that very quiet, timid individual that takes a couple shots now later on is, hey, how you doing? Hey, you're looking good, girl. You know what would look good on you? Me. You know? Hey, girl, you know, if we could rearrange the alphabet, I'd put you and I together. Girl, you're so beautiful. If you were a tear in my eye, I would not cry for fear of losing you. Sorry, sister, I'm married. Example. You got some brothers back there like this. What was that last one? <laughs> la, la, I, I, cheer, I. <laughs> now, now check this out. After a couple more shots, all of a sudden, hey, you looking at me? I'll take you all on. You want a piece of me? Come on. Hey, I don't care. There are 40 of you. I'll take you all on right now. Come on. Come on, bring it. Bring it on, Jelly Roll. (laughs) 
The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Those disciples who were scared to death just moments earlier, cowering in an upper room, the fire of God falls on them. And these guys that are timid, that are standing there, all of a sudden get... Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Hey, I got something. You got it. Wow. Hey, I'll take you all on. Hey, my God, uh, whatever you, I have no problem. My financial needs are nothing. He's Jehovah Jireh. The sickness I'm going, oh no, he's Jehovah Zikanu. He's my righteousness. My body, he's Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Hey, there's no problem you can bring to me. No devil you can come up against me. I'll take you all on. Bring it on. You don't get that kind of boldness from the bottle of a Coors. You don't get it from Jack Daniels. Where you get it is by opening the word, falling on your face and beginning to seek the face of God and getting empowered from on high. There's a boldness in a dangerous church. Any dangerous Christians in the house this morning? All right, we made it home. The last thing I want to share with you is simply this. Dangerous church has a risk-taking faith. They're risk-takers. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible, not hard, impossible to please God. You can't please God living safe. You can't please God giving 7%. 5%, 2%. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. I'm really struggling financially. That's what faith is all about. You don't know what I'm going through right now. You got God understands what I'm, the financial trouble. We all are going through financial struggles. But I'm here to tell you, my dad taught me at a young age, you can't outgive God. And when you give to God, he gives back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Have times been tough? Yeah, but I'm still standing today. Still got money in the bank. Still got a home for my family. I bought a house up on the hills in the toughest economy that we've ever seen. Why? Because I'm a giver and I give to my God and my God takes care of me. I ain't even ashamed. I got a beautiful house. Show you right. Oh, don't be hating. Shoot, that was... Hold on. That was good. How many enjoy the Olympics? I love the Summer Olympics. I hate Winter Olympics. I'm sorry. Just... It's not... What I said just now is not biblical, okay? Some of y'all are going to be like, oh, it's a sin to watch the Winter Olympics. No, I'm, I just love, I love the Summer Olympics, the boxing, track, and so forth. And even the gymnastics, those, those girls flip, just blow my mind. When they get on that balance beam, that thing's only about six inches wide. And they stand on that thing. 
And they start jumping in the air, spinning around, and they do flips. I'm not going to do a flip. And they do all these things, and then they do the dismount. And when they do the dismount, they spin around and all this, and then they land. And everyone goes crazy, and then the judges write down their scores. Every one of us is on a balance beam called life. And there is a judge in heaven that is taking score of what we do. I wish I could say I made that up, but turn your attentions to the screens and take a look at this video from Francis Chan, incredible pastor. off the team, whatever, you know, just, just there's so much instability, so much that we don't understand, that, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was, uh, a lot of you guys know, my mom died giving birth to me, and my dad remarried, then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine, then my dad got married again, then my dad died of cancer when I was 12, and so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do, you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here. And uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go... Uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just... I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve, help the nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life and then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it. And then suddenly you wake up. You stand before the judge and you go. Now, if. Uh, could you imagine? Could you imagine watching the Olympics? You know? And some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes. What is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. 
That's the routine, the boring. I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that's the routine that they're going to live. And then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, Wow, well done. Well done. You lived the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. That's the essence of a dangerous church. Many of us are living our lives just holding on. But you weren't created to hold on. You were created to shine. Many of us are so afraid to lose what we've built, what we've invested. We're struggling so hard to get by that you forgot you were created to win. You forgot that you were created for glory. You forgot... That God created you for greatness. And so we're just in a get-by mode. Isn't it time to take a risk? Isn't it time right now to step out of the boat? Just for a moment, isn't it time to reach beyond the bounds that society has set for you based on your skin color, based on your education, based on your marital status, based on your financial background. Isn't it time for you to break the barriers that the world has set up for you? Is it now the time to take a chance? I just shared this message with my church last week. Many people are afraid to be that dangerous person because what if I'm rejected? What if it doesn't work out? What if I start the business and it fails? What what if I try, try to do that ministry and it doesn't work out? What if I try to give to God and things don't work out and I end up even broker? Listen to me. What if, what if, what if? The what if factor is this. What if it works? What if that business takes off? What if that financial blessing and that seed you plant comes back to you 30, 60, and 100 fold? What if you try to reach your wife who you've been struggling and you try to reconcile the marriage and it works? What if you reach out to your child and it works? What if you try to kick that habit and it works? What happens if you've tried many times and failed but you do it again and it works? What if... What if it works? Are you dangerous enough to try? Are you dangerous enough to take a chance? Heads bowed and eyes closed. My first call is simply this. You're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. I told you at the beginning, you are the most valuable thing that God's ever created. He loves you. And if you're here right now and you don't know Christ who loved you with the dangerous love 
I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, simply ask you to lift your hand high in the air. And I wanted to, to introduce you to Jesus. Ready? One. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. Two. Listen, I'm making an invitation right now, not to a religion, but to a living relationship with God. Why run from him? All he's going to do is love you when he catches you. As I say this final number, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand all over this auditorium, front to back, left to right. Ready? One, two, three. All over this house. God bless you. 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 In fact, do me a favor. If your hand's up in the air, keep it up until you and I make eye contact, okay? So if your hand is up in the air, you can put your hand down right when I see you, amen? Anyone else over here? God bless you. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you there in the back, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else over here? God bless you. God bless you, son. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Over here as well. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Someone in their hand way in the back back here. God bless you. Right over there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I need you to understand that God loves you in an everlasting love. God bless you, sir. God bless you. There in the very back as well. Over here. God bless you, sir. God bless you. You're here and right now, when's the last time that you've shown a love, an offensive love, a God love? When's the last time you loved unconditionally? When's the last time you stopped complaining and you started ministering? When's the last time that you were so filled with the Spirit of God you were ready to take them all on? When's the last time you took that risk? I want to challenge you to take a risk right now. I'm going to count to three and I'm just going to call you forward. Take a risk. Step out of the boat. Be who God called you to be today. All limitations. Well, what's going to happen when I get there? Listen, I don't know, but let's just take that first step right now. All right. Let's just take that first step and say, I'm not going to live on the balance beam of life. Just holding on. I want to do what God called me to do. Ready? One, get ready. I want you to prepare yourself because the step you're about to take, you're about to walk on water too. I want you to get ready. God is about to release a whole nother level in your life. And some of you are even going to be broken before you even get here. Ready? One, two. Two, three, all over this house. Come meet me here this morning. God bless you as you come. If you lifted your hand for self to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you just to kind of fill in with these people walking up right now. Just join them up here. God bless you as you come. You know what's what's funny is that some of you as you're coming up, some of you are still sitting there because you're afraid to take a risk of just getting out of your seat. You're just too comfortable. I want you to ask the person to your left and to your right, say, you know what, if you need to go up to the altar, I'll go up there with you. Just ask them to the left or to the right. You want to go up, I'll go up with you. Okay? There are some things that are stirring. God's getting ready to release some new things in your life. Some of you have been struggling with finances so long, you can't remember the last time you were able to go out to eat without having to look at the price on the menu. There was a time where you used to look forward to Sundays because after church you went out to eat. Now, you can't do that. 
I need you to understand something. You've been sitting here crying out to God and God saying this, I'm ready. If you would just take the step, I'm ready. This isn't on God. This is on you. It's already there. It's already done. Everything you need's already been done. It's already been accomplished. All you got to do now is take the step of faith and meet God. You got to take that risk right now. Let go of the balance beam and be who God called you to be. I want to pray pray this prayer with you right now. And I just want to make this declaration first and foremost for those that came forward to accept Christ. Would you all say this with me? Those of you sitting down, would you join us in this prayer now and to say, Dear God, I come to you now the way that I am with my sin and with my shortcomings. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. And I want to accept you now as my father. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to be part of you. I surrender my life in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person here at this altar. Lift your hands with me all over this place. Right where you're at right now. Just as you're there with your hands up. There are some here this evening or this morning that are struggling with prejudice. You're having a real hard time with a certain race, a certain culture that you were hurt by. And I need you to understand something. You justify it because of what they did to you, but you need to understand... That you'll never be able to be everything God wants you to be as long as you continue to hold on to that. God's not minimizing what you went through, but he is saying this today, I'm going to take that away from you. Father, I pray right now that you would just begin to break. We just pray prejudice, my God, not just prejudice over race, but we pray prejudice and Father God, even over those that are doing well financially. Father, I pray just breakthrough in our lives right now. We pray liberty in Jesus' name. I pray for an offensive love. I pray for a love, my God, that you would open my heart right now to love people. Lord, sometimes the first thing that comes out of my mouth is judgment when I see a certain kind of person. First thing that comes out of my mind is, is judgment when I see a person going through something. Lord, I pray right now that you would break this and that the first thing that would come out of my mouth now is love. Lord, love me to new levels. Love me, my God. Let me experience your love. Look, right now, there are many people right now that you have had a hard time receiving the love of God because of your father. And because of the relationship you had with your dad, it's keeping you from experiencing the love of God at the level he wants you to receive it. So, Father, I pray right now that you would show yourself as a father to them. Receive it right now, folks. Come on. Just receive it. Just tell them I receive it, Father. I receive it, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you would just show yourself strong. Break those things off of their lives right now. Break it right now. We release liberty over their lives in Jesus' name. We declare breakthrough. We declare breakthrough right now. Father, I pray for the complaining tongue. If you have a complaining tongue, just put your hand on your mouth. This is for husbands, wives, 
you're dealing with, with at times maybe your husband or wife does something first thing you do is you start talking smack you start complaining I need you right now to know God's going to transform that mouth right now in Jesus name Lord we just release it right now we release it Father God that no more complaining that Lord I'm going to turn my complaints into ministry I'm going to release Father God the things that you've given me the eyes to see that Lord I see the problem so I'm now going to use it my God to bring breakthrough Lord, I pray for boldness. Some of you need to get drunk this morning. <clears throat> and I'm not talking about getting plastered. I'm talking drunk in the Holy Ghost. Some of you need to get drunk. When's the last time you had an encounter with God? When's the last time you got a couple shots of the Spirit of God in your life? Father, I pray that you would just have me, that we would encounter you. Encounter you, my God. The same way an addict joneses for a drink, let us jones for you. Let us become so addicted to you, my God. Lord, we ask this now in Jesus' name. And finally, risk takers. Lord, I pray for risk takers to be raised up in this place right now. No longer playing it safe. No longer playing it safe. We're going to be faithful in our giving. We're going to be faithful in our ministry. Lord, we're going to take every talent, every gifting you've given to us, and we're going to take that step of faith. Start that business. Get involved in that ministry. Break that addiction. Move on from, from that. Try to heal that relationship in Jesus' name. Father, I just release it over your people now. Amen. Amen. Bishop.